Good morning. Good morning. There you go. So um, today we're going to talk about parenting. So I thought I should give you a little background. Um, I don't have kids, uh, but I did read a parenting book once. So that's good news. I'm just kidding. I don't read. Um, <laughs> except for uh, Facebook memes. I read those because, you know, those little you know, boxes of picture with a little quote inside of them. Because they kind of, you know, read them, and other people are like you, and it makes you feel better about your life. Yeah, so I, I did that. So I read some parenting ones, and I thought I'd share a couple with you that I thought was uh, interesting. One was talking about the vow we make as families. And, and uh, it says, as a parent, I have promised to do everything to keep you safe from harm. As your kid, I promise to fight you on that every step of the way. Isn't that right? At bedtime, what I say Please go get ready for bed. What my kids hear, run around upstairs and wrestle until you're bleeding or unconscious. <laughs> Instead of white noise, my kids like to fall asleep to the sound of my quiet sobs as I beg them to go to sleep. <laughs> this one? If you think I'm being mean, it means I'm doing my job as your mom. If I was nice, you would call me grandma. What I thought I'd say most as a parent, I love you. What I actually say most, filmed like that. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> this is a good one. To keep your children on your toes, this is all you have to do. All you have to do is to stir your coffee very slowly with a steak knife. <laughs> so it will fall right in line. <laughs> My personal favorite is this one. My son asked if a punch bowl is where you want to keep the names of people you want to punch. <laughs> I usually keep them in my head, but storing them in decorative crystal seemed real classy. <laughs> well, my name's Alan Bud. I'm married to Samantha. Uh, we've been coming here for about eight, nine years, and uh, we've got a gaggle of children. It ranges from four to ten. I'll tell you a little bit about them in a second. Uh, you should also know I did campus ministry for about 12 years at OSU, and I've been doing the young adult ministry here for about seven. So I feel pretty familiar about what teenagers feel when they go off to college, like the challenges that they have, the things that they're feeling. I have kids that go up to the age of 10. It's this gap in the middle from 10 to, to college, or this teenager stuff, which uh, I hear is really scary. I'm not sure exactly what to do with that. So hopefully we can just gloss over that one. <laughs> but I wanted to introduce my kids, so I have a picture here. Here's my three boys. And kind of see some of their personality. <laughs> On the right is Edison. He's uh, 10 years old. He's definitely a thinker and asks a lot of tough questions. Uh, Archer's in the middle. He's seven. He's the intense one. Like everything is level 12 to him. It's like <clears throat> all the time. Sad or mad, whatever it is. And then Oliver, he's four. And he's the sneaky one. He'll kind of fly under the radar you're looking around, where's Oliver? And he's up a flagpole, you know, one of those kids. <laughs> so I've got a rule follower. I've got one that can't even focus on the rules. And I've got one that could care less that the rules even exist. So we have fun with that. And then about a year and a half ago, our entire house changed. Uh, we got this call. We were trying to foster. And I got this call about this little girl. And they gave us basically just a list of medical conditions 
and some of the neglect that maybe her family had given her. We had no clue what we were doing, still don't, but we felt like we should respond. And so we got Katie. This is a picture of Katie uh, day two of when she came to our home. So that's my oldest, who's eight at the time, and she's eight. Kind of get a, a visual of like just how she came to our house. And uh, she was nonverbal, um, didn't speak, had a, one basic sign, and and she didn't walk very far at all, very short distances because she had been raised in a wheelchair, sleeping and waking the entire time. And so we had, I mean, really no clue what, what we were supposed to do. So we knew we were supposed to feed kids, so we did that. That's good. Uh, Give them a warm bed, so we did that. And we just tried to just start to do some therapy things that would help. And, and um, she was nonverbal, so we got her a talker. And it kind of changed her confidence when she was able to pick out words. And there's a picture here. This is her uh, last year. You can just see this, this differentness in that, that little smile that she has. And at first, the, the talker, you know, it's got pictures, and you pick something, goes to the next screen. And first, it's all just requests, things that she wants. And that's good. And you've got to build on that. And there's this app that she really, really likes called Starfall. And Starfall is basically a game app where you can do colors and and shapes, and there's a jukebox, listen to music, it's all fun and exciting. She like wants to do it all the time. So there's a conversation, and she's building her words, she eventually got to this spot, which was really fun to kind of see some of the personality too, where she came up to me one day, and she said, um, get Starfall. And I said, Starfall later. She said, Starfall now. <laughs> I said, no, Starfall later. And she goes, get mom. So, I'm like, no. And I, I just have to say, you know, families that are pressing forward that have developmental delays, and this has been a new world for us, but it's been just really cool watching some of the other families here at New Life, and I just have utter respect. I really do. And I pray that the Lord would continue to bless your family as, as you figure out your next steps, too. And I just love showing what God has done in this little girl, you know. She was born at 23 weeks, had, was one pound, and grew up in a neglectful home. And now she's learned how to walk, and, and even to the point where you know, we would always hold her hand. And then we were at this Cub Scout hike, um, and I was with the boys, and she wanted to hike. And Sam's holding her hand, and at one point she said, I don't want to hold your hand. She was just charged forward. And I got a little clip here of her walking. It's about 10 seconds, because that's all we could, my wife was going nuts, like, I got to hold, you know, what if she's going to fall, but she has no problem just charging through life, and, and it just made me realize, I mean, all of us that are parents, we have to teach our kids how to walk, right? We have to help them get through those, and there's times that we're nerve-wracking because we're afraid they're going to fall, or the choices they're going to make, and we all have to walk them through that, but it's not just physical things, Right? It's the emotional, it's the spiritual part that we have to help our children grow. And so Katie's story challenges me on this. I remember when she came, she was, when she'd eat food, she'd hold it close to her chest, eat a little bit. She didn't want anybody to make sure she got that food because she was so hungry. And I heard about when, before we got her, she was at her home, and even though she didn't walk, she somehow, because she was looking for something, she scooted out of her wheelchair scooted out of the house and scooted down the street and the police found her and brought her back to a home where all the adults were passed out and completely inattentive. And it's so tempting, so tempting for me to compare myself to that and go, well, look how well I'm doing. But at least I'm not 
And it didn't make it any easier. I go to her school, uh, same school she was going to, and one lady comes up to me and goes, you deserve the Father of the Year Award. <laughs> I'm still waiting for the trophy. I don't know if it's like coming or <laughs> is that a real thing? And another lady comes up to me and goes, you're definitely getting into heaven for that one. <laughs> Which, of course, I tell her that's not how you get to heaven and had a great conversation. But I don't, I don't want to fool myself that if I give my kids food, a warm bed, and some nice things that somehow I'm providing for all of their needs. You know, I'm not home passed out from drugs, but there are times when I'm anxiously ready for football that I'm pretty much inattentive to anything else that's going on in the home. Or I give nice things to my kids, but it mostly is to make me feel better about how distracted I've been. I never neglected to give my kids food, but I've neglected to give them the spiritual food that they need. Can I be honest here? I mean, is this a safe place? Is this a safe place? I've told my kids these things. If you're not going to appreciate what I have given you, I will just get rid of it. Or this, why don't you just shut your mouth so I can finish what I am doing? Or can you just do what I ask for once? Very much about me. What I want. And listen, I know kids need some heavy guidance at times, but that doesn't mean that's what was needed. Their precious little hearts need to know the rest of their story of who they are, the Savior, what he's done, not how well Daddy has provided for them. And so to get the most out of this, listen, we all have to be a little bit honest with ourselves, our home. You know, what is it I need? What is it you need? What about your home? Are you feeding your kids food and spiritual food? Are you providing a safe place, a warm bed? And a place where they can be vulnerable enough to share what's going on in their heart? Are you attentive to their needs? You know, the cell phone that they need or the next gadget? What about their need of an eternal relationship with Jesus? If I asked Jesus that, what would he say? So my prayer today, when we, we, we look at this as parents, to have kind of an undistracted time where we can focus on the right things, and understand the parent's purpose. What is our, our role? And then what is our role for each other with this? So if you're new here, you haven't been here, we use the word of God. A lot of great wisdom in this. We love it. Um, you're going to get a glimpse of that today. If you want to reach into your worship folder, there's a study guide. You want to pull that out, we'll use that. And then uh, before we go forward, I'm just going to pray for the rest of our time, okay? Lord God, I just thank you that we're here, that we can talk about you and what you want to do in the lives of our children, how you want to use this church, this family of God to teach and love these kids and help these parents and help me. We're going to make this about you and not try to take it back about ourselves. But would you help us? Would you show us today? Will you lead the rest of this time? I praise your name. Amen.
Well, there, in the Bible, there's some great passages about parenting. We're not going to read any of them. Um, they're good. They're really good. You, sh- you should read them later. Um, but sometimes we get focused only on the things that are specific. And I want to take a step back and look at what, what are the passages he tells for everybody that includes you and your kids, for, for both of us, okay? And I don't want to waste your time, so we're going to go to the greatest one to start with, okay? So if you look at your study guide, it's on the screen here. Mark 12 says this. It's been labeled the great commandment. You'll see why, because of Jesus' answer. He was asked, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And listen, this is comforting as a parent. I've got it right here in black and white, the number one thing that my kid needs to know. How to love the Lord with all heart, mind, soul, strength. Not love me, not love me, because that would be challenging, have my kids love me. Because listen, I don't know, you, you may not believe this. But sometimes, I'm not all that lovable. I know, hard to believe, right? But he's always lovable. So the number one thing they need to know is how to love God. And it might surprise you to know that your kid's not here just to do your bidding. My kid's not here to just to make me successful or make me feel better about my life or so I can give my life some meaning or give them the things that I didn't get when I was a kid. Your kid, my kid, was designed to love God and then to share that love with their neighbor. Look at the second passage here. What we're going to read here is Jesus has died on the cross. He came back to show everyone he's alive. He appeared to many, and then he wanted to give some final instructions, and it's been referred to as the Great Commission. Matthew 28 says this, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority... In heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. Listen up. This is big. Everything's been given to me, so you should listen to what I'm going to say next. And this is what he says. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go make disciples and teach them. didn't say... Except for your kids. Didn't say only your kids. To go. Make disciples and then teach them. Love people and help them to follow him. And listen, I'm a simple man. Some people might say that's redundant. But anything simple, okay? Took men a little more to figure that one out, right? But my first mentor, he kind of helped me see with clarity these two passages. What does this mean? Love God and to love people. And teach others to love God and love people, so they'll teach others to love God and love people. And that includes your kids. That includes your friends' kids. That includes other parents. Love God and love people. That's for you. That's for me. So your kids need to know that it's not all about them. You might need to know it's not all about your kids. Or it's not all about you and what you want for your home. And your preferences. See, if your kid is in love with himself, 
they won't be able to be in love with Jesus. It won't work. They make it about themselves. It'll be a quick letdown. They make it about you. It might be a quicker letdown. Our kids need a solid foundation, something that will not let them down, something that when things come up, it stands good always for anything that comes up that's bad. I don't know about you. You notice this world just seems to be getting more bad. More things are coming up that scares me as a parent. I'm like, oh, what are they going to do? I don't know. Yeah. I want my kid to have something that will stand good always, no matter what bad might come. So let's talk about what our children need, okay? I want to break down the two things. Our children need this. Daily reinforcement of truth. Listen, every day they're faced with lies. Lies about who they are, how they should think about themselves, what they need to do to be accepted, their image. Lies, 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 lies. And these lies come up against all these dozens and dozens of daily decisions that they have to make. And they have to choose what to believe and how to respond. So our kids need daily deposits of truth from you, from the Word of God. I mean, if they hear, let's make up a number, if they hear 12 lies a day, how many truths should they hear? I don't know. You know, the people used to say, like, if you're going to say something mean, you got to say two nice things. So they hear, like, 12 lies? Do they hear 24? I don't know. But I do know they need daily deposits of truth because they're going to get the lies. I remember this one day, uh, I got a text from Samantha, and she had, um, I don't know why she did this, but she went out to the, just do errands and took all the kids. And listen, that's a mathematical, this is, full, one, this is not going to work, okay? This is why Amazon was created, just have it delivered to your home. <laughs> so it's just really rough, it was a hard time. And so I get this text, kind of an update when she gets home. This is what she says. We got home, and I gathered them all together for a come-to-Jesus conversation. <laughs> Basically, I told them all that they are all sinners and deserve the pit of hell. <laughs> Called them to repent, praise God for his shed blood, threw in some encouragement about sibling relationships and the blessing they could be. Then Edison instigated a group hug fest, and now they're all playing nicely together. This is daily deposits of truth. Here's there, and here's what you deserve. And here's the truth that you need to know. They need to hear all this stuff. They need to hear, I love you, and don't lick that. They need to hear, you're wrong. But he still loves you. They need these daily deposits of truth. And the second thing, they need one-on-one discipleship. They need one-on-one discipleship. And let me give my working definition of what that is. Intentional engagement on how to follow Jesus. Daily deposit the truth and then intentional ongoing times of discipleship. Intentional. Set aside purposeful time. A space, a time, a place, a space to do something purposeful. It can't happen when it happens or it won't happen. All that. It just can't happen when it happens or it won't happen. 
I can't tell you how many times I've heard of good friends who became roommates. And they said, I never see them anymore. Because they always hung out before, but when they moved in, they said, well, we'll just naturally see each other and hang out. And it doesn't happen. These kids are in your home, and you're like, I'm going to see them every time. We need intentional time, set-aside time for engagement. What is that? Reveal heart and mind issues. If we're going to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and all of our mind, we need to talk about that. We need to have that space. What's challenging them? What's confusing What's distracting? What's exhilarating? What's on their mind? What's in their heart? What's troubling them? And we take those things and we take it to Jesus. So we develop and deepen our love of him. So we reinforce how to follow Christ. How to know him. How to know his commandments. Listen, I don't want my kids, and I don't think you want this either, to have a religion. They just know some things. We want them to have a relationship their heart and their mind connected to Jesus. Know what Jesus said is true about them and how much he loves them and what he's done for their lives. So they need to have intentional times where we can engage Jesus' love. So I guess the question is, how do we disciple our kids? How does that work? I've been doing this for years with just brothers around the church, the campus ministry here, discipling men and women, pouring into our lives, talking about what's going on with heart issues. And I'm going to give you a tip, okay? Here's a tip. Listen, don't, don't share this with everybody. This is just for you guys. But you can do this to anyone, including your kids. And here's the best part. You can practice on people you only mildly love. <laughs> so then you get really good at it for the kids that you really love. You see? And if you did it for your kids, and you can continue to do it with other people. This discipleship. What does that mean? What does that look like to have a discipleship foundation? Okay, let's look at that. Number one, model. You cannot give what you do not have. You cannot give what you do not have. Matthew 7 warns us about this. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye or your child's eye let me think about that if you're asked to do something by someone who does not do it themselves what's your response i mean no one goes to the hypocrite and goes you know i really like how you talk about these things that you don't do yourself can i get your advice on a couple things no one does that right we want many many good things for our kids and we want to give them Better things than we had ourselves. But this is one area you definitely cannot give them if you don't have for yourself. You know, maybe at one point you did respond or maybe you plan to look at it again, but you cannot help usher your kids into a relationship with Jesus if you're not doing this because you feel bad or guilty about something you've done. Listen, you didn't have anything when you came to him the first time. And if you never came to him and you want this for your kids, you have to respond first. This is, this is for you, too. We have to humble ourselves and admit that we need a deeper relationship with Jesus. I mean, that's, I mean, that's really the prerequisite to helping anybody grow. And listen, you, you, you know where you're at. You may even need to talk to your kid and apologize for not living the life that you've been trying to teach them. And that's a very important part of 
modeling humility. You've never apologized to your kid. You're probably missing something. Think about this one time. I mean, this was super humbling. Uh, talking to Edison, I barked at Edison. I mean, I let him have it. I had a sharp tone, harsh words. I was fed up. I mean, he was wrong. He was absolutely wrong. He was being a pill, you know. But I was not loving or kind. And he told me that. And my initial reaction is like, well, listen, you, you, you don't know. You just don't want to tell me, right? Intense struggle inside. Like, listen, if I want him to respond to Jesus, I have to be willing to respond. Another time, Oliver, my three-year-old at the time, he was being so disobedient. That's strange, right? Three-year-old being disobedient never happens. <laughs> and uh, he deserved swats. He earned them. He was warned, and, and I was frustrated. He wasn't listening, and I gave him swats. But as soon as he started crying, I knew. I just felt convicted that I let my frustration guide me more than my love of trying to, Daddy, I forgive you. Talk about feeling small but so loved at the same time. That connection that I had because I responded to what I needed to do to my kid. And he was able to extend grace to me. It's hard stuff, but it's worth it. We have to model our relationship with Jesus be willing to respond ourselves. And number two, we've got to mold. We've got to teach, believe, over behave. Ephesians 2 says this, For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. It's easy for me to get focused on getting my kids to behave. Edison, release your brother. Or Archer, if you say but one more time, <laughs> Oliver, knives aren't toys. Put that down, right? I mean, sometimes we have to get them behave, good behavior, keep, you know, safe. They don't harm other children. You know, that's important. But to understand the gospel, what saves them and what frees them, they must learn how to believe better, not just get in line and act right. Saved through faith by believing. Like I said, I did college ministry for many years, and the challenge that was always at the root of the issue is what they believe. So always caused the trouble. So I don't want to simply just teach my child how to act like a Christian. I want to teach them how to, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Listen, I don't want pretend Christian children, but here's the thing, it's their choice. I, I, I can't choose it for them. I can't smother it upon them and hope that, that it takes and feels better about it. I need to foster their choice, give daily deposits of truth, and help them understand the God they should love. We're only saved through our faith, which means they're only saved through their faith. They must choose to receive and believe. So I was thinking through uh, the adoption for Katie. We're sitting in this, this courtroom, um, and there's caseworkers, lawyers all around, and our family's there, and the judge is there. And I had to, they asked us to explain, like, why we felt like we could love Katie in our home. 
And I had to think about that and say, you know, this is what I told him. I said, I don't want to be gross here. But when she first came to our home and she would like slobber or something, it was just like, it was really gross. Like on my arm, you know, it's like, this is someone else's kid. He changed her diaper. It was just, it was just, didn't feel, ugh. But then there came a point, and I don't know when this transition happened, but I get slobbering, just wipe it on there with everything else that's already there from the other kids. And there's a shift where it's just, she was, she was mine. Then my wife responds, her responses are always better than mine, and she said, um, mine's similar, but when I look at my boys, she said, they're the most beautiful boys in the entire world. And I think all children are beautiful. They really are. But when we've got Katie, I had to choose to, to find her beauty. She goes, but now I look at her and she's the most beautiful girl in the entire world. Of course, she had to show up her answer of mine, you know. <laughs> but it's true. There came a point when she wasn't just there in the family, but we believed she was part of the family. And then the judge, this is, this is really cool. The judge said this, said there was gonna, she was going to grant the petition, and she looks at my wife, and I'll never forget, she says, this is your child as if she was born to you. And then she looks right at me and goes, this is your child as if she was born to you. And the birth certificate will state as such. She was trying to make it really clear that when she's adopting the family, it's done it's finished all the records show that she is part of our family in the same way our father the great judge so when jesus died for you it's done it's finished when you believe whenever that transaction happened when you believe now you're part of his family let the record show that you are in that family adopted in for you, for your kids. So we want to foster that space. We want to help people and our kids to receive that gift. It's freely offered, but they must choose it. They must choose it. And then number four, mature. Teach them who they are. So we make disciples and we teach them. So we want to teach our kids who they are. Ephesians 4 says, Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. This is a directive, not a condition of adoption, but how to help us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. Our discipleship continues as we teach how to walk in new ways. Listen, as I've talked to people about those belief issues, like I mentioned earlier, most of those belief issues circle somewhere around identity. As we mature our kids in discipleship, we have to simply help them see the truth over and over and over again in light of their new identity in the family of God. Based on who they are now, in light of being adopted. And I was trying to think, how, how do we do that? I'm just going to give you a simple, just a, a small example of changes to help 
mature our thinking. So in our home, you know, we try to have dinner together. That's, that's a good thing. And we have dinner. We want it to be a nice time, so no fighting at the table. Like that's supposed to work. But no fighting at the table. That's the rule. And not only that, so that's acceptable. If we just sit there and don't fight, have a nice deal, meal together, that's an acceptable thing. But we don't want to just be acceptable. We want to be a little bit more than that. We want it to be a beneficial time for the family. And so for years we've done high-low. Let's grow together as a family. So let's share our high and let's share our low. Let's share what's going on today that was good and what was hard. And that was good. That's better than just being acceptable. That's being beneficial, growing and understanding each other. And I was just really thinking about this past uh, couple months. I thought, you know, we could use that time for so much more. High-low is great. But how can we make that even more Christ-honoring? How can we use that to help mature their thinking? And so I tried this, to switch it from high-low to praise and prayer. So what is it today that you should be grateful for, that you're excited, you want to give God praise? Not just what happened, but who should we thank, right? How mature the thinking, what's the gratitude we want to have? And then these challenging low parts, what do we need to turn over and give to Jesus? What is it that we need to make into a prayer request? So I want to look for ways that not just are acceptable things to do as a parent, not things that just might be beneficial, but what are the things that we can do that would be Christ-honoring, that would help mature our children, help them grow in the next step? Does that make sense? So we model, we show Christ in our life, then we shape beliefs in their heart by molding it. We help foster their choice to receive, to make them a disciple, and we mature them and teach them who they truly are. Then this fifth one's so important. Then we marvel. Our God cares so much more than we do. Jude 1 says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Let God be God. He loves your kid more than you do. At some point, you need to let him be the one that keeps your kid from stumbling. And you can trust him. Why? How do we know we can trust him? Listen, your kid was in a very desperate spot. He or she couldn't do it on their own. And then God did the unthinkable. With his love, he sacrificed his son for your son. He proved how much he loves your kid. And listen, I, I, I love all you guys. I really do. I like you guys a lot. I think we're you know, good. We're family. But there is no way I am holding up any of my children as a shield for one of yours. But he did. We know we can trust him because of that. And only Jesus was perfect enough for it to count anyways, for all his sacrifice to count for the guilty. So you can trust your kids to God. He willingly loved us when we deserved it the least and when it would cost him the most. So we too need to praise in prayer, show our gratefulness, to thank him for sending his son, to thank him for what's been done in us, thank him for his word to us. And we need to lean on him for the hurts we don't understand, for our shortcomings. When our kids don't respond how we wish that they would. 
that God would prevent our own brokenness, our own sin, from getting in the way of the influence of our children. I mean, there are so many parenting decisions that I wish I could have back. Do you have some of those? I can't. I can't get them back, but Jesus can redeem them. And Samantha and I are lost so many times. What, what are we supposed to do next? So we give it to God. And so today I want to do something a little different as we continue to praise and, and, and pray. Our kids are so important to us, and I want to support each other. I think it's really cool that we have a multi-generational church. They have people in different stages, so I kind of want to respond in that way. So if you're willing, please be willing, please. I want you to identify a couple things here. First, I want to talk to the parents here that still have kids in the home, okay? Think about this, and what, what do you need to identify to lay at his feet? So maybe for you, it's you realize you're kind of being a hypocrite on some things. Maybe uh, you even need to prepare yourself to apologize to your kid. Maybe the distractions of life or the busyness of life has taken away all the intentional time of teaching your children. And that's something you want to take to the Lord today. Maybe there's a praise you just want to make sure you don't hold into yourself that you give him credit for and give him praise. You may mean to dedicate your parenting back to him and realize you had that as another segment of your life that didn't really involve him all that much. Or maybe you've never done that for the first time. So can I ask that you would respond for your sake, for us, for our sake together, for our community. I believe the Lord blesses when we, we respond, not just inside, but physically respond and allow ourselves to receive what he'd have. So if you still have kids in your home and you know you have something you can give to God or ask God for, can I ask that you do something? Can I ask that you would stand up and you come along the front here and lay it at his feet and give it to him so, and we can pray for you. So if you've got kids in the home and you've got something to give, will you come do that now? Go ahead and come up now. In a minute, I'm going to pray for us. But as they make their way up, I've got another group of people I'd like to talk to, the people here that you're empty nesters. You've done this. You've raised kids in your home. They're, they've moved out. They're living their life. But you understand the challenges that we with kids at home have. You've been through it. You already know our prayer request. Can I ask this? That you would show that your support, that you'd want to love on us and pray for us. So if you're one of those empty nesters here, be willing to do that. Would you come up and just put a hand on one of these parents' shoulders and pray for them? Like I said, you know what to pray for. You've lived it. Will you join them and so they know that they've got people that care, that understand, that we don't just look online for help, but we look here in our family. And if I could ask one more group of people, if you're a young adult or a young couple here, listen, you need to understand that many of these parents that just came up, these empty nesters, they constantly pray for their adult children. 
They're always constantly praying that they would continue to respond. And some are not responding to the faith like they would hope. And you, as a young adult, as a young couple, you're their peers. They're kids' peers. You're their peers. And so it would be a blessing in their life if you would come up. Maybe you put a hand on their shoulders so they know that there are people that love Jesus, that are the same age as their kid, that are reaching out and loving on. Maybe you'll interact with one of their kids one day. So if that's you, would you come up and show your support? Put a hand on their shoulder and pray. And in just a minute, I'll pray for all of us. Lord Jesus, we come to you and ask so much. But we know that you're so capable. We love our kids. We love them so much. And sometimes they frustrate us. Sometimes we don't know how to respond. But we look at them and have such deep devotion to them. But it pales in comparison to how much you love our children. You've proven that to us. And Lord, we'd, we'd like to respond as a, as a church to parent the way that you would want us to, that, that would show your love, that would help them draw closer to you, that would make you the centerpiece and not just our desires or our insecurities or our hurts. Lord, would you help us be a church that takes specific time to continue to disciple our children, to pour in them and help them know the needs of their hearts and would you fight against any insecurity we have in ourselves because of how we've lived our life or what we've done up till now that we feel like we may not be able to? Would you redeem that? Would you show us that you want us engaged with our children? Would you use this church community to give support to each other? It's such a vast group of people and different stories and generations that we would support and love, especially in these challenging years of responding to young children would you would you shape and craft our church and how to follow you better especially in our parenting show us what we need to believe show us how we individually need to respond and i continue to pray for these parents whose kids are adults that we continue to labor in prayer for those kids they're making their decisions and raising kids of their own. Help us be a community that supports each other, shares. In your name, we want to give you all these requests. We're going to lay them at your feet, knowing that you're worthy and you want them and you're powerful enough to do something with them. And so we trust them to you and praise your name. Amen.